It's July 1973, and it's another busy day for actor Bruce Lee. At this point in his career, Lee has become a good thing for the industry. The star of three Hong Kong martial arts movies, with a fourth, Enter the Dragon, about to be released, Lee is a genuine international movie star. On this day, Lee has to meet with producer Raymond Chow during the day to discuss the movie he's currently working on, Game of Death. At night, he has a dinner lined up with one-time James Bond actor George Lazenby. Lazenby has just arrived in Hong Kong to discuss appearing in Game of Death. After the meeting with Chow, Lee was at the home of Taiwanese actress Betty Ting. Lee was tired and had a headache. He was given a painkiller called Equijiac and went to sleep. He would never wake up. He was just 32 years old. Lee officially died from cerebral edema, possibly caused by a reaction to one of the ingredients in the painkiller he was given. Not that everyone believed that was the actual cause of his death. Rumors persisted that he'd been murdered for a variety of reasons. That it was his producer, Raymond Chow, who did him in. Or it was Betty Tang. Or it was his wife, Linda. Or maybe it was the triads who finally got him. One thing was certain. Bruce Lee was gone. But as far as the industry was concerned, they weren't going to let something like death get in the way of making movies and making money. In fact, Bruce Lee's death would launch a new subgenre of films that would spawn a seemingly endless amount of pictures over the next decade. Pictures that would star Bruce Lee clones with sound-alike names. A subgenre so specifically about Bruce Lee, it would be known as Bruceploitation. My name is Dan Delgado, and today we're taking a look at this subgenre of film in an episode presented by Movie Maker that we're calling... Bruce Bloitation 101, or send in the clones. Welcome to the industry. Before we get into what Bruce Bloitation is, let's first discuss who Bruce Lee was. And if you're not very familiar with actor, writer, and director Bruce Lee, there may be one question you're wondering. What's the big deal with this guy anyway? To find out the answer, I asked another actor, writer, and director. Hi, my name is Michael Wirth. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, director, actor, and uh, sometimes writer and producer. Michael's also been working on a book and a documentary about Bruceploitation. So if anyone could answer the question, it would be him. Explain oh, to no. me, what was the big deal about Bruce Lee? For me, it always, you know, as a kid, I thought it was because he was the miracle worker. You know, it was like, wow, this guy is the fastest, strongest human being. You know, I remember when I, I when I was a little young, I was, I mean, I fell into the martial arts film genre when I was really, really young. And I remember I was probably about 10 or 11 years old when I met Chuck Norris. And all I was just wanted to know about was Bruce Lee. And I remember him telling me he was, you know, people talk about how fast he is, but boy, was that guy strong. And, you know, and there was all this sort of these legends and myths about Bruce Lee and you'd watch him on film and he was amazing to watch he, the way he, the fluidity, et cetera. But as I've gotten older, I realized that what was really his star quality was his personality. You know, you can watch him today, go back and watch a Bruce Lee. None of his films per se aren't that stupendous. So it's not the films. 
His fighting, though, in, there is something very special about it. And there's no doubt that once you get to know who he was and how he, you know, he trained and how his philosophy was, it's pretty amazing. I mean, he was like a, a, a lifelong 24-hour student of martial arts. But I think if there's one thing that sticks out about him that nobody else could touch was his charisma. I mean, the guy was extremely charismatic. He could just stand there as he would in some of these films and look at his opponent. And you were just as excited to watch that as you were to see him throw his roundhouse kick. And they can't say that about a lot of people. So I think if there was anybody that had star quality, it was it was Bruce Lee. And rather have me recite some information on Bruce Lee's life, here he is himself at an audition in 1965 for the television series The Green Hornet. Now, Bruce, just look right into the camera lens right here and tell us your name, your age, and where you were born. My last name is Lee, Bruce Lee. I was born in San Francisco in 1940. I'm 24 right now. And you worked in uh, motion pictures in Hong Kong? Yes, uh, since I was around six years old. And when did you leave Hong Kong? 1959, when I was 18. I see. Now look over to me, Bruce, as we talk. I understand you just had a baby boy? Yeah. And uh, you've lost a little sleep over it, have you? Oh, three nights. <laughs> and tell the crew what time uh, they shoot the pictures in Hong Kong. Well, it's mostly uh, in the morning because it's kind of noisy in Hong Kong, you know, around three million people there. And so every time when you have a picture, it's mostly, say, around... 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. I see. They'd love that there. And you went to college in the United States? Yes. And what did you study? Uh, philosophy. Lee was cast as a sidekick Cato on The Green Hornet, which lasted one season. After several years of small parts and behind-the-scenes work, Lee's rise to stardom happened in a movie called The Big Boss. You know, he'd come from America, and he came to Hong Kong only really having done The Green Hornet as any sort of international success and uh, came to Hong Kong to do a movie called The Big Boss, which already had a Chinese leading star. And essentially they knew while they were making the film, they said, well, we'll see which one we like better. Is it going to be Bruce Lee or is it going to be James Tian, who was the other star of the film? And whoever we like better, we'll, we'll save to the end of the film and we'll kill the other guy off. And as it, as it happened, Bruce was doing such a great job. He ended up being the uh, star of the movie. The Big Boss, or as it was known in America, Fists of Fury, was released in 1971. Introducing Bruce Lee. Every limb of his body is a lethal weapon against men, women, and savage beasts. Bruce Lee, he's the man with the Fists of Fury. Karate and Kung Fu, the explosive combination that gives you the biggest kick of your life. Fists of Fury. Rated R. Lee's two other films that were released in his lifetime both came out in 1972. There was The Way of the Dragon, which wouldn't be released in America until after Lee had died a year later. It's also the movie where Bruce Lee fights and beats Chuck Norris in his movie debut. The other is called Fists of Fury. Yes, this is a different movie from The Big Boss, which had the American title of Fists of Fury. This Fists of Fury was released in America under the title The Chinese Connection. Lee had next started working on a picture called Game of Death, but stopped when an offer from Warner Brothers rolled in to do Enter the Dragon. Lee finished Enter the Dragon and was about to resume Game of Death when he died. His death at the age of 32 left a gaping hole in the industry. 
The three movies that featured Lee in a starring role that were released before his death were all international hits. When Enter the Dragon was released shortly after he died, it was an instant smash. What was needed was a way to fill that gaping hole. And this is when we get to Bruceploitation. And if you need a definition for this genre, I have just the gentleman to give it to you. My name is Bruce Noe. I am a black belt in Bruceploitation. Yes, that's right. Bruce Noe. That's N-O. And if you can't tell by his fantastic accent, Bruce Noe is from France. He hosts a YouTube channel about Bruceploitation. Uh, the name is uh, Bruce Noe, Bruceploitation Collector. And has written a couple of books on the subject. I wrote a book on Bruce Le. You know, Bruce Le is uh, Wang Kin Leng. Uh, the title of my book, my first book, is uh, Bruce is Back. But I'm preparing the English adaptation of my second book. My second book is uh, First of Bruce Lai, Biography and uh, Filmography of uh, Ho Chung Tao, aka Bruce Lai. And here's how he defined Bruceploitation for me. The Bruceploitation is uh, Bruce Lee's uh, post-mortem phenomenon. When uh, Bruce Lee died, okay, he was a superstar of uh, martial art movies in Hong Kong. He was uh, making a lot of money for the producer. And the local producer said, uh-huh, Bruce Lee is dead. Okay, viva Bruce Lee. We are going to make uh, Bruce Lee films, Bruce Lee movies, without Bruce Lee. Okay, you want to do Bruce Lee with not Bruce Lee? Yeah, no problem. One other point. Bruceploitation films cannot really be made anymore. It's funny because I think like any other subgenre of exploitation films like spaghetti westerns or non-exploitation or black exploitation films you know you could not make a bruceploitation film today as any of those because they were all defined by a, a period of time in some way if you're looking for a time frame then 1973 when bruce lee dies to somewhere in the early 80s seems about right it lasted i would say kind of a for 10 years. You know, you had right away after Bruce Lee passed away, they started and they went through an, an, an evolution in a, in a sense. Like you almost like this stages of dying, you know, you have, I don't know, I'm going to get them wrong, but it's like shock, denial, then there's sadness and anger and then acceptance or however it goes. Well, it sort of evolves that way in the Bruce Bloitation films. You get these initial films that really dealt with usually Bruce Lee dying or his life and somebody wanting to avenge his death. There's a lot of shock. There's a lot of, like, we're going to get the gangsters. You know, it's all about saving the secret manual, et cetera. Then you go through these middle stages somewhere in the mid to late 70s where the films would include Bruce Lee. They would include him as some sort of component in the film. And in some cases, like The Tower of Death, there's even a moment where this one of the characters in the story that they're trying to pull off as being Bruce Lee passes away it cuts to like all of a sudden this homage of like a music montage that goes on for two minutes of Bruce Lee's old footage and the sad music. And it's almost like they break the fourth wall and come out and say, you know, we, we miss you, Bruce, you know, and then towards the end, they started to just change into where Jackie Chan was getting very famous at this point. And they started morphing into these comedic sort of Bruce Lee, like Jackie Chan. There's even a film called Bruce versus Jackie. You know, and so you have this sort of evolution of sorts. I think there's this period to answer your question in a long-winded way of, of saying that towards this this middle stage where Bruce, 
Bruce Lee, for instance, would pop up as Bruce Lee in these like gangster movies, you know, and they were just so cheaply and quickly made that you just kind of like I could say that I don't I've watched them once and never come back to them. That's not to say people haven't made Bruce Bluetation films since then. Look at it kind of like film noir. You had the original film noir period from the 1940s to the earlier mid 50s. And then anything after that is considered neo-noir. Bruceploitation is kind of like that. And this genre begins pretty much right after the man dies. And I mean right after. Many argue that one of the first Bruceploitation films would be um, a film called Bruce Lee, The Man, The Legend, which was made by uh, Raymond Chow. It was a documentary of sorts, but Raymond Chow was Bruce Lee's producer. And he literally started rolling cameras before Bruce Lee's funeral, during his funeral, in his house, while people were packing up and moving the stuff out of Hong Kong. I mean, so in, in, in some regards, that could be seen as a, a Bruce Lee exploitation film. Okay, so you did say something that it's really fascinating, that before his funeral, they're filming in his house? Yeah, if you, it's, a, it's a very interesting documentary to watch, I think, from this perspective. In fact, for those of you who might be Criterion Collection fans or completists and you have the Bruce Lee... Uh, collection in your hands that that documentary does exist on that box set but they're going through his house which obviously is when they've decided to pack up and move out of hong kong because he was living there with his his wife and his two kids at the time and when he passed away i think they were like we're, we're, we're gone you know we were here for for this and we're out of here and so you've got this film footage of people the the housekeepers like folding things up and boxing things up and putting them away and what's so interesting to me and always has been about that is the fact that they thought that his possessions were so important. The notes on his wall, his wallpaper, his heavy bag hanging in the in the backyard, this kind of stuff was to everybody important. And that's the kind of impact he had. Like, who cares if, you know, most people think if they passed away, do you want to see, you know, Brad Pitt's uh, pen holder on his desk? But for Bruce Lee, it's like, what kind of pen holder did he have? You know, maybe there was a little secret note written on a pad of paper explaining his training regiment or, or what have you. Bruceploitation may start with a documentary, but it doesn't take long before a number of look-alike actors with sound-alike names start popping up in movies, all seeking to fill the void left by Bruce Lee. There's a fairly impressive list of so-called Bruce Lee clones or imitators out there, but for this podcast, we're going to mainly talk about three. Well, there's there's what I call the sort of holy trinity, which is <laughs> they're the three that are most uh, notable for having uh, taken the mantle from Bruce Lee, and that's Bruce Lee, L I by the way, L I, Dragon Lee, which you can probably figure out a spell, and then Bruce Lee, L E. Um, there's a fourth one, sort of like the the fourth horseman. His name's Bruce Lung or Bruce Lang, um, and then there's a couple others that that probably fit into the category well but there those three were the, the the largest most prolific of the actors slash entertainers slash fighters imitating bruce lee through their careers so who were these guys well first we have bruce lie his real name is ho jong dao or james he'll usually when he's being called by his american name is james rather than bruce he's a really interesting character he he really is probably the most liked, well-known of all the Bruce Lee imitators. And as a kid, I mean, I want to point out that I remember when Bruce Lee was well more, uh, was well-known, or I should say more well-known than, than Jackie Chan. 
And so, you know, he loves Bruce Lee. I mean, he, he really just holds him up and up, but he did not want to be his imitator. It's like he was fighting tooth and nail to have his own name be put on these movies. Yet he was the one that was always being thrust into the Bruce Lee documentary or uh, documentary, excuse me, biography or the, the speculative fiction where it was like his character was there to, you know, avenge Bruce Lee, et cetera, et cetera. But he was like the reluctant king, you know, and I think that he's one person who would have happily handed that mantle over to anybody else. Bruce Lee says, if I die, find out why. Lee named Bruce Lai as his successor. <laughs> Lai enters the deadly Hong Kong underworld on a fantastic mission of vengeance to uncover the explosive truth behind Bruce Lee's death. Or was it murder? Bruce Lai, the deadliest exponent of unarmed combat, rips the lid off this amazing cover-up. In Exit the Dragon, enter the Tiger. Rated R. Then there's Dragon Lee, star of Enter the Deadly Dragon and The Last Fist of Fury. As a kid, Dragon Lee was always my favorite. There was something so insane about this guy. If you ever watch him in films like The Real Bruce Lee or Martial Monks of Shaolin, etc., he is like he's like a strange mixture of Jackie Lamb, Bruce Lee, and I uh, just somebody on drugs. You know, it's just he's so just kinetic and crazy. And we have Bruce Lee, the star of The Dragon Dies Hard and Fists of Fury Two. Well, I can I can tell you from stories I've heard about Bruce Lee, he was certainly one that just loved being that guy. You know, he just he I know a couple of people had known him since they were kids and he would walk around in his flared pants and his sunglasses and he'd be shuffling his feet and you know, swiping his nose with his thumb and <laughs> while he wasn't on camera. So it's but interestingly about him is that then he went the opposite direction because he was, we the documentary that we're in the midst of finishing up right now, he was the one holdout out of everybody. It was almost like that period in his life he's trying to distance himself from. But yeah, he, he apparently sounded like he just relished the idea of being Bruce Lee rather than maybe just playing <laughs> Now that you know who some of the main players were, let's talk about the types of Bruceploitation movies that were made. Typically, you had five different types of Bruceploitation pictures. Number one. Films that are like the, the documentary films. You know, Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, The Dragon Dies Hard, um, you know, uh, Bruce Lee's Secret, Bruce Lee, or it's known as Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu. These are all films that deal with Bruce Lee as a character in the story and a, either his life or a part of his life. Number two. Fiction films. The speculative fiction films usually involve Bruce Lee as a character that is being brought up or discussed, but it's a story that, re like, it's like in the world of Bruce Lee having survived as a person, but somebody's avenging him or, you know, has trying to get his secret kung fu manual to somebody else, something of that nature. Number three. Then you have the sequels and the prequels, so films that were unofficially usually, but sometimes in some cases, official sequels or prequels to Bruce Lee's films. Number four, which was more of a marketing ploy than anything else. Bruce Plotation, like we said, is as much a strategy as it is a, as a film genre. And some, in some cases, you have a movie that has zero to do with Bruce Lee in any fashion. And I'll give you a good example of The Green Dragon Inn. I think this was 1977, 78. When it got to the United States, it was released as Bruce is Loose. And the, the poster is one of the greatest posters of all time for Bruce Lee exploitation, which is, you know, this terribly crude drawing of a Bruce Lee lookalike jumping in the air and he's throwing a karate chop to one guy's head and cutting it off. And then he's kicking another guy and folding him in half. And it says, starring Lee Bruce. 
Now, the, the film had absolutely nobody in it that looked like Bruce Lee. It was set in the, like, 1700s and et cetera, et cetera. So that's, the film's not Bruce exploitation, but the, the advertising and the, 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 the United States sort of release push for the film was, was definitely Bruce exploitation like And finally, number five. And then you have, like we mentioned, a couple of the, the more parody-style stuff like Enter the Fat Dragon. Enter the Fat Dragon, which starred Sammo Hung, is an interesting case because the movie itself is actually commenting on the act of bruceploitation. Great movie. And, and that's an example that Sammo Hung, who some people know from having been in a lot of Jackie Chan's movies, was also the guy, the heavyset guy that Bruce Lee fights at the beginning of Enter the Dragon. And it's actually the last fight scene that Bruce Lee ever shot because that was the, the last stuff he, he filmed before he passed away. And um, so Sammo just loved Bruce Lee as well. He just respected him, thought he was great. So he that film, Enter the Fat Dragon, which is uh, 1978, I think, 77, 78, something like that, um, was his way of making a commentary on the, the, the surge of Bruce exploitation films that were beginning because he does in the film at one point have to go on to a film set and there's a Bruce exploitation actor or a guy representing one starring in the movie. And one reason that Bruce exploitation was so widespread was that there was no real legal ramifications for what they were doing. Lisa Nam made a film called Fist of Fury Part 2. Well, Fist of Fury Part 2 was being, obviously, a sequel to Fist of Fury, which was Bruce Lee's movie. But it, what, they, it wasn't made by their company. They just made a movie, and it was a sequel. And it was literally being made at the same time as the original filmmakers of Fist of Fury were making their sequel with Jackie Chan. It's like, well, you can go ahead. We could have Fist of Fury, 18 different versions of Fist of Fury 2, because nobody held rights to these things. What gets me about this subgenre is that it seems like something that just couldn't exist today. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson died tomorrow, I don't think we'd be getting rock exploitation films using clips from his actual funeral because that kind of thing would have an immediate backlash. Back in the 70s, though, was there any kind of backlash to this? Sure. I mean, by Bruce Lee's family. You know, there was an early film... um it was one of the first ones. I think it was called, let me think, Drag. I guess it was maybe sometimes the titles get a little mixed. <laughs> Believe me, even I, who's been following these films for 40 years, you know, I still get them confused. But it was one of the first ones that Bruce Lai did. And I think it was the very first one. The Dragon Dies Hard, probably. And it was um, because it involved their family. There was so much usage of his wife and his kids were in the film. And they, they you know, asked nobody for permission. And so that film actually got a lawsuit thrown against it at one point. I think after that, they didn't bother. I mean, it, you know, and, and certainly in Asia at the time, even though people knew, you know, they were doing these crazy things like using his funeral footage or whatever. I would talk to Lee Sonam. Lee Sonam, was, um, he directed uh, Exit the Dragon or the Tiger. He's done a, a number of non-bruceploitation films for sure. Uh, but he told me, he said, you know, back then you could do this stuff And another reason they went on is that they were cheap to make and brought in big profits. Here's an example of how it worked from a producing standpoint. Seraphim Karalexis is a producer probably best known for distributing the Swedish picture I Am Curious Yellow in the United States in 1969 and ending up in a censorship battle over it that went all the way to the Supreme Court. He won, by the way. But in the 1970s, he was in the Bruce Blatation game. 
And here's how that worked for him. I'm dealing right now with um, Seraphim Karalexis, who uh, is a producer who produced one of the more famous Bruce Lee exploitation films back in the 70s called The Real Bruce Lee. He he said that when he went over, he, he at this point he knew Bruce Lee had, was, you know, it was, it was 1976. So Bruce Lee had passed away two or three years before. And um, he went over and found film actually of Dragon Lee's called The Last Fist of Fury that was made in Korea. He went out, he bought it from them, he brought it back, chopped it up down to an hour, got some more footage of Bruce Lee that he managed to find when Bruce Lee was like 12 years old and 15 years old that he shot in Hong Kong before he came to the United States, threw that in, did like an opening like narration thing before going to the Dragon Lee mini movie. And uh, he put it out and ended up making multi, multi, multi millions for him. He probably spent a couple hundred thousand dollars on it the most. And eventually, after a good 10 years or so, just like any other good trend, Bruce Blatation just sort of died out. I think like many genres, you know, it's just, it, it just wasn't pulling in the dollars. I mean, like today, Bruce Lee is still such a huge phenomena, you know, but it's like at that time, really Jackie Chan's comedy came along and just people were just absorbing that, the traditional, more shape style kind of martial arts films, which which means shapes being that there were the, the Kung Fu films that featured traditional animal styles or sometimes created styles of Kung Fu versus another, like the Thundering Mantis or whatever, you know, where Bruce Lee had his own um, sort of street fighting aspect to him. And it just started to, uh, you know, die out. And then you had Jet Li coming in and it just, even Jet Li has a couple of early movies where he's wearing the Bruce Lee tracksuit and Jackie Chan would occasionally make reference to him like in City Hunter or what have you, where he's, he's having a, a fight scene in a movie theater while Bruce Lee's game of death is showing on the theater. Um, but they just, you know, they eventually had their run. And, and I think as all genres fade out and die out, Bruce Lee certainly hasn't died out in any sort of a way, but those, I think maybe people just got tired of people trying to milk, <laughs> milk him for it. And that's where it comes back to what we talked about, you know, where you, you run a, you know, each genre has a beginning and an end. And, and if we were to try to, some people argued that dragging the Bruce Lee story with Jason Scott Lee was Bruce Lee exploitation. But I, you know, I disagree. It was a, a biography about Bruce Lee that they were making, you know, even if it's still a lot of it's fantasy, you know, it was it was being made at a time where in 1992, I guess, or 91 or 92, you know, now we're we're doing movies about Bruce Lee, but we're not doing Bruce Boitation, which you couldn't get away with today anyway. So, OK, so when it comes to Bruce Boitation, there clearly are varying degrees of quality to these pictures. So which ones should you see? I would say there's a couple of films I would throw out there. And because of the fact that Game of Death is normally thrown into, you know, Bruce Lee's, you know, kind of his ovier of, of films, you know, we won't count that, but there's one called Tower of Death. Now, Tower of Death is also known as Game of Death 2, and this also is on the uh, Criterion box set. But the reason I put that in there, it's actually got moments where it's got some interesting choreography. Yoon Wu Ping did the choreography in it because he's more well-known probably today for The Matrix, etc. But it also was directed by Insin Yoon, who is a, a notable director doing, who's done a few Bruce Boitation films. It stars Kim Tae-jung, who has passed away. He actually was the double the I mean the post post Bruce Lee double in Game of Death, so they brought him back into this one, and uh, he's in it, and it has some interesting homages to Bruce Lee within the actual the film. They rely on the fake cutting to Bruce Lee's face to make it look like he's in the movie. So it does cover 
a lot of good ground in terms of a good Bruceploitation film. My favorite is Enter the Game of Death with Bruce Lee. After, I think, is uh, The Chinese Stuntman with Bruce Lai. And for finish, The Return of Bruce with Bruce Lee. On the other hand, there's Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, or it's, sometimes it's known as Bruce Lee, true story, which is not. <laughs> But this is Bruce Lai. Uh, surprisingly, actually, it's directed by the same person uh, in Sin Yun. It's probably the most level-headed of all the Bruce Lee exploitation films and that they literally traveled around the world and shot all the places that Bruce Lee went. Rome, you know, he went to the United States, you know, he was, you know, was in Hong Kong and went to Thailand. So they really made an effort to kind of travel around. Of course, he's fighting everybody, he gets, steps into a room, somebody's starting to fight with him, which wasn't the, the truth either. But it does make an attempt to really, I think in some ways, be respectful of him as a personality and a person rather than just add in this drama he's being hunted down by you know a demon or being hunted down by gangsters etc 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 so i think and then if you really love bad movies and you just want to see a bad bruce exploitation film and the clones of bruce lee you just can't get much worse than that the clones of bruce lee the respected and loved chinese superstar bruce lee has just died starring dragon lee bruce lee and bruce lie Suddenly and without warning, he fell into a coma today. The Clones of Bruce Lee brings a new dimension to martial arts films. Scientists and police made a momentous decision. They would create the Clones of Bruce Lee. These identical specimens of the late Bruce Lee are trained in all the martial arts through scientific techniques. The Clones of Bruce Lee, coming to this theater soon. While I am no expert on this topic at all, the one Bruce Blatation movie that I would suggest is one of the more ridiculous ones. It's called The Dragon Lives Again, and it's pretty bananas. It's more in the comedy parody category of Bruce Blatation. In it, Bruce Lee dies, goes to the underworld, where he has to deal with, I kid you not, Dracula, the Godfather, James Bond, the man with no name, and Emmanuel. And if that seems like a lot to deal with, don't worry, because he gets help from Popeye and Kane from the TV series Kung Fu. Really, this exists. Go find it. But the one thing that gets me about this whole thing is... It feels like if you're a Bruce Lee fan, you shouldn't like Bruceploitation. It seems like you should be against it, even hate it. Yet that doesn't seem to be the case. For many people, the Bruceploitation is a shit. It is uh, shameful. These are the guys who made money off the back on the dead men. Yes, it's absolutely true. On the back of a genius who revolutionized action movies and who changed the world. For me, the real Bruce Lee changed the world. And his tragic death left a hug void. And that Bruce Plantation, she filled that void. She filled this void. With this hero, you left too soon. Clones like Bruce Lai, Bruce Le, Bruce Lai, Dragon Lee, or whatever, they talk the opportunity. They are now the glory in the ghost 
of Another Guy. Yes, the producer made a million with this Bruce Lee clone. Yes, okay, okay, this clone, it is also uh, victims of uh, this producer. Yeah, but maybe for the people like you, for the people like me, this clone have done us some good because they feel this void left by this hero who left too early with four little film. What do you want us to do, my friend? And with this clone, it's a little bit of Bruce Lee who continues to live on the screen. And I think Bruce Snow is absolutely right. Bruce Blatation did fill the void. And not just the void for the producers looking to make money. That it certainly did. But it also filled the void for the fans. The fans of Bruce Lee, who after four and one quarter films, were not ready to let the man go. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Industry, presented by Movie Maker. If you're into movies, or you want to make them yourself, there's something for you at MovieMaker.com. Special thanks to my guest, Michael Wirth, who is working on his book, The Bruce Blatation Bible, and a documentary on the subject. Once those are out, I will definitely let you know. I should also tell you that Michael Wirth not only has a book and a documentary coming out, but has traveled the world to uncover lost martial arts films. And if that's not enough, he also hosts a podcast about Bruce Playtation called The Clones Cast, and you should definitely check it out. I'll have links to that on my own website at theindustrypodcast.com. And also thanks to Bruce No, who had to truly make an effort to participate in this episode since he doesn't really speak English. Find him on YouTube by searching for Bruce Playtation Collector. His website is also BruceBlatation-Collector.com. Music in this episode is by Gunnar Olsen and Audionautics, which is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. And feel free to visit Audionautics.com while you're at it. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email, dan at moviemaker.com. I'm on Twitter at TheIndustry13, Instagram at Industry underscore podcast, and Facebook at TheIndustryPod. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, please consider leaving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Goodbye, Bruce Lee, his last game of death. One man takes on a whole world of fighters, battling his way through the fighting styles of every continent on Earth as he climbs the perilous Tower of Death. Or Podchaser, or if your podcast app does reviews, you can just leave one there. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll be back again soon with another story of the things that went on in the industry.